You're listening to the Promise Church's message of the week. We hope you enjoy this teaching by Pastor Jonathan. For more information about who we are, please visit us at thepromisechurch.com. Good morning. Good morning. Why don't you stand with me? If you haven't had a chance to grab communion elements, uh, they, we are going to take communion in a few moments just around the, the wall here at the back. So if you haven't gotten those, feel free to go grab those in just a moment, or right now is fine. I just want to say a big thank you to all of you who are here, who are not in the process of taking children to the classrooms, but thank you to everyone who helped with our Vacation Bible School this past week. It was phenomenal. There was over 125 kids here every day, and come on, yeah, you can clap, you can cheer. And uh, God moved awesomely among, among the young people, among our kids. They received and heard amazing truths about that their Father God is in a good mood, that Jesus, through his blood shed on the cross, paid for everything. And because of that, nothing's impossible with God. They learned that they have value, that that's why Jesus came and died for them, because they're important to him. So these kids just got impacted mightily by the the power of the word of God, by his love, by his presence. It was awesome. And so if you had a young child here, I know that they were uh, dramatically impacted this week and had a lot of fun at the same time, which is awesome. How could you not have fun with that weird scientist on the video? I can say that because he's my dad, so. I pray a lot. All right. I did want to also say this. If you, uh, have, or if you are planning on wanting to be a part of our Longview campus, if you can make sure you text the word Longview, just the word Longview, to the phone number on the screen there. That way we'll send you a link to fill out a form. We can get all of your information. We'd love to follow up with you and connect with you. Uh, We're going to be having a vision night meeting in the middle of July, and we're going to be casting some vision and asking for your help, and we'd love to get your information so that we can partner together for that. So if you haven't done that yet, please do that. If you uh, haven't done it since before last Sunday when I last spoke, you need to do it again, because if you did it like a month ago, it didn't work, and so we need you to do it again. Praise God. You might be wondering why you're standing. Um, you, you were sitting for a few moments, and you're going to be sitting for a while. And before we jump into the Word, I wanted us to stand and pray together. How many of you know that the worship and the presence of the Lord was so strong this morning? So good. I didn't want to stop. I'm glad we almost didn't really stop. And uh, I, wanted, I want to get back into His presence here in just a moment in a real powerful way, but I, I got to say this before we jump in. I felt the, the Holy Spirit was, was grieved in many ways that because many of you did not recognize his presence in the room. If you're new to this place and you've never been here or you're new and you're not used to worship in this way, you have a free pass. But if this is your church, This is your church home and family. We have no excuse. And we cannot afford to miss a moment when he moves and he comes. And you must be willing to exert everything in you within your physical ability to express your love to him. Because you will never get another moment like it. 
The Lord is so kind. He is so merciful and he is so gracious. He will give you another moment to recognize him, but it won't be like the last one if you miss it. And my heart was so explosive with love and joy that he was here in such a powerful way, moving so wonderfully. And, and the presence of the Lord was so strong. And our worship team did such a great job with lingering. And Nathaniel did such a great job with just waiting on the Lord and not being in a hurry. If you were wondering what was coming next or why haven't we moved on or when's the sermon coming, you're missing it. Because I wasn't even interested in when the sermon was coming. And I'm the one supposed to, to, to do it. There is nothing greater than the presence of God. He is the main event. And we can't afford to miss it. Even if you didn't feel anything, the fact that others in the room were expressing that they were should have cued you to a place where it's like, I need to jump in. I must give the Lord my intention. I must give him the worship that he is worthy of. I can't afford to stand still and just watch. I can't afford to check out and wonder what I'm going to do to avoid the heat this afternoon. You must recognize him when he comes. If we want the Lord to stay and we want him to dwell here, then we must see when he visits and hold on to him, that he doesn't just visit, but that he stays. You, we must grow, church. I'm calling you up. I'm challenging you that we must grow as a people that want nothing else but him and his presence. We come in with no agenda. We come in with no motive. We come in with no ideas and preconceived notions of what church is supposed to look like, and we simply want to be with him. We throw all that away and say, Lord, you move, you speak. This is what I pray every week. I don't hope that this happens so that I don't have to preach a message because I'm not, I'm not prepared. I'm prepared. I, I've put in the time to share a word with you. But he is the priority. And if I was feeling a grieving in my mortal being, how much more did the Holy Spirit feel it in his heart? He is a real person. To know. He is a real person that you can grieve and that you can reject and you can ignore. And for the few moments that we have left this morning, we are going to, I'm going to share a bit in the word just because I know prophetically that the Lord gave me this word for many of you in this room. And then we're going to take communion. And I implore you, church, I ask of you to do not disengage, but to stay in tune with the Lord. I ask you, church, to not check out, to not want to move on, but to put your attention on him and give him everything. Now and every other moment that you have an opportunity to be with him. So would you please just join me in prayer? Lord, we, we thank you for your presence in this place. 
God, let us never take it lightly. Let us never become familiar. Let us never take you for granted. Let us never miss this time and these moments that you bring your spirit so strongly in this place. God, that we would honor you with how you deserve. God, that we would worship you in a way that you are worthy of. God, that we would love you because you're so wonderful and there is nothing like you. Lord, I ask that you would grace us with an increase of hunger to pursue you, to run after you, to know you more deeply, Lord. We honor you in this place, Jesus. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. I asked the Lord this week, how do you want to reveal yourself to your people? I ask him this very regularly when I, when I speak, every time when I speak. Lord, how do you want to reveal yourself to your people? And sometimes it manifests in a way that seems very topical. Like, for example, last week I spoke on discipleship, but really my heart was to reveal Jesus to you as the great disciple maker, that we would have his heart to make disciples. Because our, our role as pastors and preachers and communicators of the word of God is not to entertain you, but it is to play in a partnership with the Holy Spirit as a matchmaker that the bride of Christ, you, the church, would fall in love with your bridegroom. You should not come to church, as Nathaniel said multiple times, and encounter a program, a song, a strategy, a business called church. You should be coming to a church and in, in encounter the one that it is about and is the name and the person of Jesus. And so I asked the Lord, who, how, how do you want to reveal yourself to your people today? And he told me, I want to reveal myself to them as their rock. Jesus, the rock. Jesus, our rock. And I was like, um, okay. <laughs> I'm trying to track with you, Lord. What, why? What do you want to do in this? And I began to remember over a period of several days of m moments that I had wrote something down in my journal as I had been reading in the Word where scriptures in, old, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament talked about Jesus as the rock. And I began to go, wow, okay, what, what, are, you, what are you saying here, Lord? And just began to take bunch of notes down and scripture after scripture from the old and the new because it's it's throughout the the both old and new testaments of this revelation of Jesus as our rock and I but I asked the Lord why why do you want to reveal yourself to your people in this way and he said because many people are waiting many people are in a waiting season they feel like they're in a holding pattern they're waiting to hear from me. They're waiting to know what's next. And they are waiting for the promises that they have received to come to pass. And when you're in a waiting season, you need Jesus to be your rock more than ever. Many of you, might that might already be speaking to you. You might feel like you're in this holding pattern. You're in this waiting season. You're in this waiting upon the Lord to hear his voice. 
and, and you're, you're waiting to, to know what's next, and you're waiting for promises that the Lord spoke to you maybe even years ago for them to become for them to come to pass. And the Lord wants to, you to know and to reveal your, himself to you today as your rock. About a month ago, I preached about Jesus being our rock as a church, that this church is and is going to continue to be built on Jesus as the chief cornerstone. And I read out of Matthew 16 where he, Jesus said to his disciples, who do you say that I am? And Peter replies, you are the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And and Jesus says to Peter, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. And upon, and you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not re, be able to prevail against it. And as we talked about Peter, meaning Petros, or small rock, and the rock Jesus is talking about, the rock that the church is built on is Petra, large rock, foundational rock, bedrock, that this is the rock that Jesus is building his church on, the revelation of who he is as the son of the living God, as the Messiah, and the gates of hell won't be able to stand against the advancing, ever-powerful kingdom and church of God. And we talked about how this, this church is meant to be built on Jesus, built by Jesus, built for Jesus, and about Jesus. And it's not going to change. The subject isn't going to change. We're not changing the channel. But your life must be built on Jesus. This church could be, but your life doesn't automatically mean that it is as well. Your life must be built on Jesus as your rock. I want to look at this passage of scripture mainly with, with you today. Psalms 62. If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 62. It's important that you get your theology of what, who Jesus is and what he says from the scriptures, not from the chosen series. I just offended half the room. Praise God. Love the show, but it ain't fully biblical. Get over it. If you were wondering, the man with the shriveled hand was healed after the disciples picked the heads of grain, not before. It matters. That was for you, Jeremy, wherever you are, my friend. You should get your view of God, your theology, from who he is, how he reveals himself in the scripture. Otherwise, you're going to live in a day and an age where you'll be shaken by every wind of teaching that comes about. You're going to hear things by a person who says, I am no longer male or female. I am binary, and God told me to be that way. And you're going to have to know if that was God that told them that. According to my Bible, God made them male and female individually. Psalm 62, for God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. Verse five, for God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. 
On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in him at all times. O people, pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Some of you need to write this reference down and you need to read this over and over and over again. You need to commit this scripture to memory. You need to especially practice and apply this scripture and declare it over and over over your life. Because many of you are waiting and this scripture tells you exactly the response of a person who is in waiting. And if we're not careful, we will become like the nation of Israel and how they were waiting to go into the promised land and they never got there. In this passage in Psalm 62, there are four main ways that Jesus reveals himself to us as our rock. What it means for you, what it means for me. How this place that Jesus is in our lives as our rock manifests in our lives. Number one is our salvation. Jesus is our salvation. That was a good moment for an amen there. I know maybe the, the moment seems a little bit calmer and somber at the moment, but you can amen still. It is allowed. You can amen and stay engaged with the Holy Spirit. I hope all of you know that Jesus is your salvation. A prayer doesn't save you. Coming to an altar doesn't save you. Many a person has prayed a prayer and come to an altar and does not know the Lord. Jesus is the person of salvation. He is our rescue. He is our rescuer. He is the one who delivers you from sin, from death, from hell. He is your salvation. Jesus said, this is eternal life, that they would know the Father and they would know me, his son. Knowing God deeply and personally, having a deep connection with him, is salvation, is eternal life, real life. Now, altars and prayers are tools for people to encounter the Lord. We are not against those things. But they are not the way that a person is saved. They encounter a person named Jesus. And their life is never the same. It's not a religion. God doesn't want to save you into a religion Jesus did not come and die on a cross for a religion to be established called Christianity. He established an avenue for you to have relationship and to know him. Number two is Jesus is revealed as our shelter. He is our fortress. He is our refuge. When we are going through difficult moments, trials, different storms in our life, he is where we should run to. Nowhere else but him as our shelter. He's our hiding place. If we will make the Lord our dwelling place, he will be our refuge, and we will hide in the shadow of his wings. Number three, he is our security. There's this phrase said multiple times in this passage, I will not be shaken. God wants you to live an unshakable life. The, prom- the, the, the scripture promises us in the Psalms, the righteous will never be shaken. That means no matter what you go through, circumstantially, relationally, financially, in health, whatever it might be, you don't have to be shaken. 
You can stand on the promises of God. You can stand on the word of God. You can stand on what the cross and what Jesus provided for you through his body and his blood. And have great peace, great security, and real joy, even in the midst of trials. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face various trials. That isn't possible unless the Lord is this place in your life as your rock. As a place of security for you. In Matthew chapter 7, just to show you that it's in the New Testament, Jesus said, if you obey my words, you are like one who is wise who builds a house on the rock. When the storms come, that house is not destroyed. But if you're a foolish person, you will not obey the voice and the words of Jesus, and you will build your rock on sand. And when the storm comes, your house will be destroyed. Your house is your life. What is your life? built on. I don't know about you, but our world as Americans, especially American Christians, has had a lot of shaking over the last year and a half or more. A lot of things to be shaken up about. How much did it shake you? Were you about ready to pack your bags to move to a different country or a different state when God had called you and planted you somewhere? Is he your rock? Number four, satisfaction. God wants to satisfy you with himself. Here in this passage in Psalm 62, there's multiple times these phrases are used. God alone, he alone, he only. An exclusiveness where he only has a place of satisfaction in our souls. This is God's design and his desire for you. And in Psalms 81, it says, if my people would only listen to me, if they would only follow my ways. In Psalm 62 that I read a moment ago, when we are in this place of waiting, for God alone, my soul waits. What are you doing in that moment where you're waiting in silence? You're listening to his voice. I was not uncomfortable for one little bit while we're in this place of worship this morning and it's quiet and we're waiting on the Lord. If I'm not uncomfortable, you have permission to be un- not be un- uncomfortable as well. Verse 13 of Psalms 81, if my people would only listen to me, if they would only follow my ways, how quickly I would subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes. Those who hate the Lord would cringe before him and their punishment would last forever. Verse 16, but you, the people of God, would be fed with the finest of wheat. This is Jesus. He's the bread of life. And with honey from the rock, I would satisfy you. God wants to satisfy you with the honey from the rock. Jesus, out of Jesus' mouth is sweetness itself. Your word, O oh God, is sweeter than honey on my lips. It's more precious to me than gold and silver. If you value him and his word, you will be willing to wait in silence, listening to his voice. And allow him to satisfy you with himself. If you are uncomfortable in the presence of God, in worship, in prolonged praise, there is an unsatisfied place in your life with the Lord. 
where you have not allowed him to satisfy you with himself. Because I promise you, if you have, you will want to stay in those moments as long as possible. This is what Hannah, the mother of Samuel, said after she received her son. She was barren for a long time, waiting for a child for a long time. She cried out in desperation to receive a child. And she received the child. This is really important. She received the child after she was willing and chose to say, Lord, if you give me a child, I will give them fully to you. You can cry out for everything in your life, dream, desire, hope that you have. And unless you are willing to surrender fully again, all back to the Lord, he might not be able to trust you with it. She, she didn't know if she would ever have another child. It was a miracle she had one. She didn't know if she'd have another. But she gave that first one to the Lord. And then this was her response to God here in 1 Samuel chapter 2. Whew. It says this, My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord my strength is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. When you are satisfied with the Lord, you know that there is nothing like him. There is no one and nothing that compares to him. All the things of this world are, they pale in comparison. And the Lord so desires to satisfy your soul with himself, but you have to want that. There's a story in Exodus chapter 17 where the Israelites are on their journey through the wilderness to go to the promised land. They have seen the plagues, the miracles of the plagues that brought them deliverance out of Egypt. They have seen themselves and the entire nation walk on dry ground through the Red Sea and their enemies destroyed. They have seen a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire guide them by day and night. They had a rock roll around behind them, following them. 1 Corinthians 10 says there was a rock that accompanied them, followed them. It is really important to know when to interpret the scripture literally and when to interpret metaphorically. There was a literal rock that followed them as they journeyed through the wilderness. There was a literal cloud and a literal pillar of fire. Jonah was swallowed by a literal whale. It's also important when to know when God speaks metaphorically. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Last time I checked, there isn't a lot of you walking around without hands. 
thank God. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It's good to know when it's metaphorical and then when it's not. Here's the nation of Israel going through the wilderness. Every morning, except the Sabbath day, waking up to heavenly bread. They're in the middle of nowhere and a, I don't, I don't know what you call it, a flock of quail, a, a cloud of quail come out of nowhere into their camp and they have enough meat to eat after they complained that they were so full that they were about to throw up. And this is where they are next in Exodus 17. They come to a dry and deserted desert place where there is no water. You think it's hot today outside or yesterday? This is hotter where they were. Just letting you know. And they began to complain and began to say, God, why would you bring us out of Egypt? Why would you lead us here to kill us? Complain against Moses. Why did you bring us out here just to kill us? We're going to die of thirst. Think about it for a minute. If God did all of those amazing miracles, went through all the work and effort to bring about all of those signs and wonders, do you really think he would abandon them then? Do you really think he would leave them then and cause them to die of thirst? But often we think the same thing. This is what God said he's gonna do. Moses, take the elders of Israel with you. I, the Father, God, am going to stand before the people on the rock, the one that was following them. If you are wondering, man stands before God, not God before man. But in this moment, God said, I will stand before man. I will stand on the rock and you will strike the rock with the, with the rod that you had with you in Egypt and water will flow from the rock. Logically, makes no sense, correct? That rock was Christ. And in that moment, it's a picture of the gospel. It's a picture of the cross, where though God was innocent, he wasn't gonna lead them there to die. They weren't gonna die of thirst. And that God was like on trial. He was innocent, but he stood before them and said, I will be judged. My son will be judged as that rock for all of humanity. And out of that rock will flow rivers of living water. Enough to, to quench the thirst of an entire nation of over a million people. It says that streams and rivers flew out of, flowed out of that rock. It's crazy. And God moved powerfully in that moment. Picture of the cross, Jesus taking our place as the one, as we are the ones that should be judged. He took our place. And if you receive him, you will have rivers of living water flow from within you. And Jesus said, if you come to me and drink, I have living water for you and you will never thirst again. But how often do we forget how God has saved us? How often do we forget what Jesus did on the cross? 
How often do we forget that our sins have been forgiven? That we have a new create, we are a new creation in Christ. How often do we forget that the Holy Spirit, God Himself, comes and dwells within us and we have peace, we have love, we have joy, we have healing, we have freedom. How often do we forget all of His blessings and that He's a good Father who is abundant? How often do we forget these things and we begin to complain and we begin to murmur and we begin to focus on all these first world problems in our lives? Or maybe they are really personal, deep hurts and wounds and problems in your life. But the Lord is saying, I'm with you. I won't leave you. If I wasn't going to leave them in the wilderness, I'm not going to leave you. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And if you will come to him and drink from him and eat from him, you will be fully satisfied in your soul. God doesn't want us to be shaken. He doesn't want us to shrink back. He doesn't want us to slow down. He doesn't want us to stop. Yes, stop and be still in his presence. Yes, wait in silence for the Lord. Be still and know that he is God. But in a posture of pursuit of him, God doesn't want us to be shaken for you have received a kingdom that cannot be shaken. So let us humbly in reverence worship our God for he is a consuming fire. We are not like those that shrink back and are destroyed. No, we are those that persevere, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross. The problem is, is we don't set our eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith. Psalm 16, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, I keep my eyes always on the Lord with him at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Verse 11, we know this one well. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand, pleasures forevermore. Who sits at the right hand of the Father? Jesus. Where is eternal life and pleasure found? In Jesus. In his presence. Would you stand with me? Jesus is our unshakable rock. Jesus is our firm foundation. He's our eternal satisfaction. He's our joy. He's our delight. There is no one like him. There's no rock like our God. And for those of you who are in the waiting, who are waiting on the Lord, I implore you to keep your attention on the Lord, to trust in his nearness, to trust that he hasn't left you, to be willing to wait in silence for him, to listen to his voice, to put your trust in him. It says, as we read in Psalm 62, trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart to him. And he will come to you. And he will satisfy you with himself and you will not be shaken no matter how long you wait. And in this time of communion that we're going to partake of, I want us, church, to see him rightly. 
I want us, church, to see him for who he is. To encounter him once again. To uh, have a security built up and established in us. Where we have our lives built on him, built for him, and about his purposes for our lives. And then no matter what comes our way, we are not moved. We are not distracted. We're not shaken. We don't reach out in the arm of the flesh with self-effort to make things happen the way we want them to, to make things happen when we want them to. But we trust him. I know many of you have been waiting for many things. And the Lord wants to reveal himself to you to stay strong in his promises, to remember his faithfulness. We sang about it so beautifully, so many songs this morning of how great he is, how faithful he is, how if he's done something before, he can do it again. So Lord, we come to you, to your table this morning and we say thank you for what you've done. Lord, I ask for a freshness to blow into the hearts of every person here. God, that we would never become stale or take for granted your cross, never take for granted your death, never become flippant or take lightly your sacrifice, Lord. Oh, Lord, we thank you so much for your body, that you took our place, that you took what we deserved. You were stricken, you were smitten, you were punished, you were beaten for us. so that we may be made whole. Lord, I thank you that in your person is everything that we need. That you are the finest of wheat. You are the bread of life that satisfies us. Lord, we come to you today I ask, Lord Jesus, for every person here to experience your presence so wonderfully, Lord. God, we thank you, Lord, and we take this bread and we break it, representing your body, how it was broken for us. And we remember your sacrifice, Lord, and we give you praise, and we give you thanks, and we give you honor. Lord, let us never take you for granted. We thank you, Jesus. You may partake of the bread. Lord, we thank you for your blood. Perfect blood that was shed and poured out for us. We thank you, Jesus, that you've redeemed us by your blood. You've washed us in your blood. You've made us brand new by your blood. We thank you, Jesus, that you cover us with your blood. Because of your sacrifice, because of your wounds, we are healed. 
So Lord, we stand on your word. We stand on your promises. We contend, oh God, for the reality that you paid for through the cross and your body and your blood. And I ask, Lord Jesus, and I plead your blood over every person in this place that they would experience what you paid for. They would experience, God, the fullness of life that is in your blood. Lord, I ask that you'd heal everybody. Lord, I ask that you'd remove pain. You'd remove sickness. You'd remove every disease. Lord, I ask that you would heal hearing right now. I just see him touching people's hearing. I ask God that you would restore necks right now. Remove pain out of people's necks in Jesus' name. Lord, I ask God that you would remove headaches and migraines in Jesus' name. Lord, total healing right now for your people. Lord, you paid the price for healing. God, I ask that you would remove all intestinal diseases and sicknesses in Jesus' name. Lord God, come. Lord, heal wombs that have not been able to conceive. Lord, I ask God that you would come and bring healing to your people right now in Jesus' name. If you're here and you need healing in your body, just say, I receive, Lord, my healing. I receive my healing. Thank you for my healing. Thank you that you paid the price for my healing. I receive it now in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Lord, we plead the blood over every person that's tormented by every oppressive spirit of darkness. We bind you and we tell you you have to go in Jesus' name. We take authority over every demonic spirit in Jesus' name and tell you you have to go. Every spirit of fear, every spirit of religion, every spirit of anxiety, every spirit of depression, every mental illness, you have to go right now in Jesus' name. Freedom in Jesus' name. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. Break every bondage in Jesus' name. All desires, all appeal for addictions broken right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. We take this cup in remembrance of you, Lord. In remembrance of what you did. And we honor you. And we thank you in your mighty name. You may partake of the cup. Now, church, I ask you, in light of this moment right now, in light of remembering his sacrifice, in light of what he has done for you, I ask you to worship him in that way, to worship him with that in mind, to worship him with that in your heart, with all that you have. We're going to go into a song right now. Don't worry about the time. I'm not worried about it. You don't got to be worried about it. Let's go after the Lord. Let's pursue him with all that we have. For the next few minutes, whatever that is, let's worship him in a way that he deserves. Amen? Come on, let's go.
dawn.